Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And we are waking up inside an outdated story, an erroneous worldview, trapped inside a narrative that isn't even true. Yet, New science and ancient spiritual wisdom have given us an evolved understanding of reality. What will we choose to do in this moment of choice? A whole worldview can guide the evolution of consciousness and lead us toward a unifying framework for whole systems health and healing. Our guests today both agree when we change our story, we will change our world. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guests. First, Dr. Jude Curavan is a cosmologist, planetary healer, futurist, author, most recently of the award-winning and best-selling book, The Cosmic Hologram. Previously, one of the UK's most senior business women, she has a master's degree specializing in cosmology and quantum physics and a doctorate in archaeology, researching ancient cosmologies, experiencing lifelong multidimensional realities and working with wisdom keepers of many traditions. Her work integrates leading edge science, consciousness research, and universal wisdom teachings. She is a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and co-founder of The Whole World View, aiming to serve the understanding, experiencing, and embodying of unity consciousness and empowering transformational change. And Greg Braden is a five-time New York Times best-selling author, scientist, consultant, and renowned as a pioneer in the emerging paradigm based in science, spirituality, social policy, and human potential. From 1979 to 1991, Greg worked as a problem solver during times of crisis for Fortune 500 companies. He continues problem solving today, and his research has led to 15 film credits and 12 award-winning books now published in over 40 languages. The United Kingdom's Watkins Journal lists Greg among the top 100 of the world's most spiritually influential living people for the eighth consecutive year, and he is a 2020 nominee for the prestigious Templeton Award, established to honor outstanding individuals who have devoted their talents to expanding our vision of humanity's purpose and ultimate reality. Welcome to you both. Welcome back to the show. Um, well, thank you, Dr. Julie. I'm, I am excited to be here. I'm really excited to be with my, my dear friend, my colleague, Dr. Jude. Dr. Jude, I'm just going to say hello from, uh, from uh, on the other side of the planet to you today, and it's good to be sharing this virtual stage with you. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be with you as always. Um, and it never seems that we're on the opposite side of the planet when we're together. I feel very close. And the same for Julie. It's such a joy to be back. And my goodness me, what a time to be together. 
Um, so thank you both. And I'm so looking forward and to exploring together our moment of choice and, and with our listeners, because I know, Julie, your community is an incredible community of, of mutual support and, and help in these incredible times. Mm. Well, thank you for that. And I, I, I am really happy to have both of you here and really having you together for this segment of our moment of choice um, series that we're doing because both of you are so important to this message on the planet right now, right here, right now. And we're just honored to have both of you and really muse into this together. And, and you've both been a guest here and you're two of my favorite guests, I must say. And so you've both answered my traditional first question, but I'm going to answer, ask that question with a twist today related to our topic, because I think it's really important. So you've, you both have been here before and, and answered, what is all things connected me to you? But today, I want us to muse a little deeper into our moment of choice and the integration of science and spirituality. So Jude, I'm going to start with you. How does our understanding that all things are connected prepare us for this evolutionary moment of choice? I think it's a fundamental question of our times. And Julie, you um, run a, an amazing series called um, Wholeness is the Medicine of Our Times. And I wholeheartedly agree with that because we live in a world of apparent separateness. And, and, and you know, our, that appearance of separation drives our behaviours of separation. And yet, as, as the three of us know, that appearance is illusory. Reality is real, but separation is illusory. And so I think the important and, and really game-changing moment we have is we now have more scientific evidence than we've ever had to show that instead um, all that we call reality is fundamentally interconnected and even deeper than that is ultimately unified. And that integrates with universal spiritual um, experiences and wisdom teachings. So there's an incredible convergence that we've we've never really had before. Um, that actually is is showing us and helping us. I hope to support us waking up to remember that we're actually inseparable. Mm. Thanks, Jude and and Greg. On to you. We're gonna we're really going to dive deeper into this illusory idea, this whole idea of separation here in just a second. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you build on that, Greg. How does our understanding that all things are connected prepare us for this evolutionary moment of choice? Well, it's, it's a big question, uh, Dr. Julie. No, it all comes down. What we're talking about at uh, the very high level is our story. And as you mentioned in the introduction, uh, as we change our individual stories, we change our lives, we change our collective story, we change the world. And what we are living right now is, is the result. We are steeped in a story in the modern world, a story of separation, a story of victimhood, a story that tells us we live in a world where competition and conflict are the fundamental rules of, of nature. And as the world is changing and we're searching for new solutions to, to meet the, the challenges that life has, has brought to each of our doorsteps, uh, we've got to think and live differently, perhaps more so than we ever have in our lifetimes or perhaps more so than we have in, in our civilization. And this is where the beautiful place where science and spirituality 
come together in, in a very, very cool way. Uh, because the science is on our side. The best science of the modern world is telling us that we live in a, a world based upon a fundamental field. There is a fundamental field of energy that underlies every aspect of our existence. And I just I want to elaborate on this just for a moment, because many people, when they say there's a field, their arms push away from them. They say there's a field out there that connects all things. And what the science is showing us is that we are the field. So every atom of every molecule in each of our bodies in this moment is emerging or collapsing constantly into this field in communion with the field. And that understanding, the most fundamental level, is science telling us how deeply the, the connection goes. But it also overturns 150 years of scientific thinking, Dr. Julie, when it comes to the way we think of ourselves in the field, to our story. And one of the most profound discoveries of the, the modern world is that nature, in fact, is based upon cooperation and what biologists call mutual aid, not the competition and the conflict that Darwin observed 150 plus years ago. And we're not saying it doesn't happen. It does. It is not the fundamental rule. And the more competition and conflict we see, it tells us how far we have strayed from this fundamental principle in the world we live in as we begin to embrace these kinds of, of deep truths into the new story that's emerging. This is what empowers us not just to survive, but to transcend, to thrive in the new world that's emerging. And I, for me, that's, this is what makes our time and our moment of choice so exciting. Greg, that was really helpful. Thank you. And I, I just want to like unpack that just a little bit more because I think it's a good foundation to begin this conversation with it. Literally, our entire world of man-made systems and structures revolved around this erroneous worldview of the old science. And of course, it was our worldview. We thought it was true. It's who we, mm. who we saw ourselves as. But now, you're talking about the new science. We're looking at that literally, it's not really a new story. It's reality and the truth of who we be. I love how you talked about that that field and that it's not out there. And Jude talks about that too. I'll bring in one of her quotes in a second. But how do we how do we navigate through the old science and create this transition now to go, okay, that's how we saw ourselves. And it was only a part of this story? How do we lay that groundwork, that framework? And I, I think you even wrote, Greg, that that literally we have a choice. We can hold on to those old false assumptions or we can move forward with this. But how do we negotiate an old science, a new science, but as a transition into greater truth, greater reality? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, this is one of those places where the work that Jude has done in, in her life and mine overlaps so beautifully. Uh, we both, she has more of a professional background in archaeology. I'm an amateur archaeologist. I've spent a lot of my adult life studying ancient and indigenous traditions, living with the people, understanding their beliefs, their culture, uh, where they see themselves in relationship to the world around them. And what's so interesting Dr. Julius, we've asked science to tell us who we are, and science is doing precisely that. And what's happening is there are some people that simply do not like the answers that science is providing. The answers that tell us, for example, that 
that nature is based upon cooperation, not competition, that the universe is conscious and alive. It's not an inert, stagnant, dead universe. And these are very, very different ways of, of thinking. So to answer your question, I think what we do is, is we, we must be honest with ourselves. How can we solve the problems and meet the challenges that we find ourselves faced with today if we're not honest with ourselves about those challenges and about who we are? So I think it's about recognizing science is designed to be constantly updated. It is not a static story. And as we embrace the new discoveries, our story evolves. It, it morphs into a, 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 an even deeper story of our relationship to ourselves in the world. And I think what we're asking ourselves is, do we love ourselves enough to embrace the deep truth that the new science is revealing to live our lives in a way that allows us to be the best versions of ourselves so that we can meet these challenges and to have the courage to let go of our belief systems from the past that served us in the past. We have to say they served us because they got us to where we are today. Now the world has changed and we must embrace new belief systems based upon rock solid science that empower us to transcend what it is that, uh, that we're facing and, and to embrace these without judging ourselves in the past. So rather than think of mistakes in the past, I prefer to think of us all on a really big learning curve. And we've made the best choices. We've done the best we can with what we knew to be true. And now we have to be honest with ourselves <clears throat> about the new truths uh, that are emerging and, and our most ancient and cherished spiritual traditions in the indigenous traditions in the archaeological record uh, all help us to come to terms with what that means in our time because they had to do the same thing in theirs. Mm. Jude, what do you want to add to this, the idea of that incomplete science, and, and here we are moving to really transcend that and to come into a more complete picture of who we be on the planet right now? Thank you, Julie. Well, first of all, I'd, I'd like to, to thank Greg for, for beautifully setting that out and, and wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, for me, too, true science, authentic science, follows the evidence you know, there's a quote somewhere that says you might have a beautiful theory, but if there's a piece of evidence that negates it, the theory has to go. <laughs> the evidence mm -hmm. is supreme. The evidence is, is, is supreme. And, and what we're both saying and, and what our, our work both encompasses is the, the evidence. And, and what's so powerful for me in, and what I set out in the Cosmic Hologram is that evidence for unity in diversity. And it's not... Just at a single scale, you know, we think of quantum physics as the story of the very small and we think of cosmology as the story of the very big. Um, 20th century science has been able to, to be able to reconcile their different stories. But what we now have is evidence at all scales of existence from the absolutely most minute to the whole universe, to the mightiest, that correlates um, and shows us this new story that's emerging, this new story of unity and diversity that's emerging. And it's also not only revealing itself in physics and cosmology, but it's actually showing itself as dynamically patterned, relational, evolutionary, informationally meaningful 
um, evidence across many, many different fields of research. And it's all, as Greg said, coming together and integrating with universal wisdom teachings and beautifully with indigenous teachings and also spiritual experiences. One of the things that science has really peripheralized until now is the meaningful nature of experience and who we are in the world. It's sort of put us outside it. It's peripheralized our emotions. It's certainly the elephant in the room of consciousness has been well held outside the room. But this new emerging understanding brings consciousness into the very heart and soul and being of reality. And so what's emerging is literally a cosmology of consciousness. And I talk about it being a science of love because just as fear you know, sets us apart, love brings us together. And this is a cosmology showing that we're inseparable, we're part of that unified whole, and yet it expresses itself through absolutely beautiful, radical diversity. So each of us is unique, and yet we're all part of the whole. Each leaf on each tree is unique, and yet it's all part of the whole. So it's amazingly, for me, exciting, as I know it is for Greg, and it's literally, it's 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 arrived in, in the nick of time, you know, as we are going through this, this process of breakdown and breakthrough. It's arriving in the nick of time to say this, to invite us, to invite us to remember, to invite us, as Greg said, to restore our story. Because when we restore, um, we can also restore our relationship with our planetary home, Gaia, or her children, and the entire cosmos. So... It's a, it's a wonderful moment to be together and to support this and invite everyone to join this adventure of, of evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, the, the one piece that you always say, one of my favorite quotes from you, Jude, I use it often, is that mind and consciousness aren't something we have, but rather what we and the whole world are. And Greg, you just mirrored that by talking about modern science, that the best of, of the modern world talks about this fundamental field and that it's not out there, that we are it. And I just, I, I would love to introduce that quote to you, Greg, if you haven't heard Jude say it, I'm sure you probably have. And just hear both of you expand, expand on that, that mind and consciousness aren't something that we have. It's not something out there, but it's rather what we, and then Jude adding this piece changes the whole quote and the whole world. It's something that we and the whole world are. We are consciousness. Greg, you start with that. Have you heard Jude say that before? I have heard. I have been blessed to spend quality time at uh, at retreats with, with Dr. Jude, where we get to sit under the stars and under the high desert of northern New Mexico and have these conversations. And I, that is, uh, is a quote that she has paraphrased many times. And... Um, uh, and it touches me very deeply every time she does. And, and to take a deeper dive, I mean, there's so many layers uh, of, of what we're talking about, Dr. Julian, and everyone learns differently. And that's the beauty of where we are now, because there are so many different ways to think about what it is that we're saying. Now, as, as a scientist, when I hear uh, the, the kinds of things we're talking about, uh, it touches me deeply, and I want to understand the mechanisms and the science is helping us to do this. So 
with your permission, can I, I just expand on on the mechanism of our relationship to the field? Are you okay if I do that? Yeah, please do. Absolutely. This is, and I also want to acknowledge to all of our listeners that what we're talking about, we know it's a very different way of thinking. It's it's certainly different. I was educated in the 1950s, 60s, early 70s as a scientist, and what I'm hearing now and what the science is revealing is very different from what I was raised to understand on the one hand. On the other hand, it's where the evidence is leading us. So we have to be honest with ourselves once again. So what the new science is showing, it's a very different way to think about our relationship to the field. The best science of the modern world tells us the average human has about 50 trillion or so cells, you know, give or take. Every one of those cells, Dr. Julie, has an electrical potential of about 0.07 volts. Now you say, well, that's not very much. And you're right until you multiply that 50 trillion times 0.07 volts, we as individuals, we have about 350 trillion volts of electrical potential within the cells of our bodies that we may direct toward our healing or our rejuvenation, our regeneration. Science now tells us every cell in our body functions in so many ways. Every cell is a transistor. It's a resistor. It's a capacitor. Stores and releases information. Every cell in our body uh, stores and releases photons of energy. We, we receive photons of energy from the world around us, and, and we translate that information into our bodies. Every cell is a circuit. Every cell uh, has a, a capacity to, to remember information. And we are the regulators. We self-regulate what is called this soft technology through thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs, focus, and breath. And this is where the bridge is between our most ancient and cherished spiritual traditions. They may not have been scientists, but they understood our relationship to our bodies as we shift our thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs, focus, breath, movement. It allows us to interact with this field that science has now confirmed that it's no longer controversial. As to the existence of the field, the controversy is what is our relationship to the field? And the world that we find ourselves in, boy, you know, my world's changing, your world's changing, all of our listeners' world is changing, uh, and we may not be able to stop the change, but what we're now beginning to understand is that we are literally wired to determine how we respond to that change in healthy ways when we embrace what is called this soft technology. It's not computer chips and wires and chemicals. It's neurons and crystalline bone and tissue and, and ion potentials across cell walls. We, it's a very different way of thinking of ourselves. And when we begin to look at the field around us and the evolution of the world from a, a quantum perspective and from this, this perspective of, uh, of technology, it tells us that we are the technology. I mean, literally, Dr. Julie, I come from the world of high tech, and I have yet to see any technology built in the world around us, in the external world, that does not mimic what we already do in the cells of our body, except we do it better. The, the Internet, a beautiful example, mimics the way neurons like to uh, form communities and, and wire and fire together. Uh, healthcare practices that we build outside of our bodies mimic what we already do in our bodies, except we do it better. So when we begin to embrace this extraordinary potential within us, in the past, it was believed to have been relegated to 
special people, you know, monks and nuns and yogis and mystics and healers and curandaros. And now we know it's available to all of us. This is where love comes in. Do we love ourselves enough to live our lives in the way to give our bodies what they need to be at their best, to do what they were designed to do? And when we begin to embrace that power, it helps us to be less vulnerable to the suffering from the change of an outer world because we are no longer hinging our sense of well-being on the world around us. So that, for me, this is where the science is leading us. Uh, It's a very, very different way of thinking, and I, I think it's a way of thinking that is serving all of us right now in the presence of these unprecedented changes. This is brilliant, Greg. Thank you for bringing that in. And and now both of you have presenced a really important word. And we are talking about times are changing. This isn't science that sounds like the old science we used to talk about. But Jude, you mentioned the science of love. Greg, you just mentioned love. Do we love ourselves enough to tell us the truth? So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dig into that idea that this is the science of love and what does that really mean and then literally what can we do do we love ourselves enough to really make some important choices right here right now on our planet we are here with dr jude curvan greg Braden, and our moment of choice when we return more with this brilliant idea and the science of love we'll be right back It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Arr! We be under attack. Man the long nines. Prepare to be boarded. Arr! Flagship starboard bow. What? No, not by the enemy flagship. By garbage. Me beautiful ocean be full of it these days. It flows in from rivers and drain pipes. Many of folk don't know that when they throw trash on the ground, it eventually makes its way into the ocean. How can I enjoy Sail Me Bonnie Seas with all this trash in it? Why, there's soda pop bottles, plastic bags, even stinky leftover takeout. Fire at will, men! Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. If you don't, I'll make you walk me plank. (laughs) Nah, just kidding. Seriously, though, learn more what you can do to keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. 
There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of ways to do that. You can check out those opportunities at juliecroll.com and goodofthewhole.org. Learn more about our guests today. You can find Jude in a couple places. Look for judecaravan.com. Also, you could find her on wholeworld-view.org. That's wholeworld-view.org. And Greg at gregbraden.com. Also, look for this book purchase this book. It's a manual for all of us right here, right now, an important message. And you can find that at ourmomentofchoice.com. That's the website, ourmomentofchoice.com. You can find the book in any book distributor. So we look forward to having you pick that up and continue to listen to the rest of the, the interviews on this series. It's an important series that we bring to you. And so welcome back. Greg and Jude, and right before the break, we talked about love. And Jude, you dropped in the science of love. Greg, you've been working with heart math and the science of the heart and what we're learning. I think this is an important piece here to to really bring in and, and just kind of expand a little bit because this is a science of love. That means a lot of different things, I'm sure, to each of you. And what we're learning about the heart and consciousness and what we're doing, how to access the wisdom. There's so much new science just on the heart itself. So do we love ourselves enough to dig into the heart and, and talk about love when we're talking about science? Let's find out. Who wants to start? Who wants to jump in here? <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to start if that's okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm working with HeartMath too, and they've done some wonderful work. Roland McCready and the folks at HeartMath have done some superb work in showing the heart coherence, how the heart, everything in our universe actually is in relationship with everything else um, throughout that entire field of consciousness. It is our universe that exists and evolves as a unified entity. Um, 
and the heart is 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 the great coherer of, of our consciousness and so our heart coherence enables us to resonate and harmonize and become coherent and in that coherent the me expands its spiral of compassion to include the we and even further to include the all um, and there's a, a wonderful initiative called the Global Coherence Pulse um, that's been really inviting people to come together on a regular basis to actually enter that coherence of the heart as a community, as a collective, as a global collective, and to actually see what that does, to have the scientific evidence for what that does, not only in terms of human consciousness and collective human consciousness, but how it actually resonates with the consciousness of Gaia as a sentient being, our planetary home. And I think what that's doing is helping us to really heal our relationship with Gaia because the illusion of separation with all its dysfunctional behaviors have caused us to see Gaia as the environment and something, as, as Greg said, to be almost conflicted with and overcome. Whereas this new understanding integrates with universal wisdom teachings and beautifully with indigenous teachings that shows we're part of the web of life. We're part of this incredibly collaborative and cooperative web, web of life. But before I, I complete, I just want to take that a step further because, you know, we, we perhaps sometimes, and we're needing to really change our story, to restore, to restore. And that helps us to remember we're inseparable as a human family. But I'd like to sort of take a breath out and, and take that breath out to the whole universe, to encompass the whole universe. Because Greg talked about breath, which all the traditions you know, show is the way to really enter into that, that state of, of coherence and that essence of love. Um, and you know, our science has told us that our universe began as a big bang. It wasn't big and it was not a bang. Um, with its implied chaos. Instead, as the ancients understood, it was the first moment of a breath, what I call a big breath, that breathed our universe into being as a, as a sentient, intelligent thought form, a universe soul. And what I love, what's really one of the coolest things for me, is that our universe began as not being transparent to light, it was too hot and too dense. But what it was was transparent to sound. So literally, there was a primordial om that sang our universe into being for nearly 400,000 years. And that song underlies the harmonies of that song, the notes of that song are the foundation for, for everything that you know I'm referring to as the science of love, because love is about harmonization, resonance, coherence. And our universe embodies that at every scale of its being. Mm. Just hearing your voice is so poetic, imagining that big breath. Thank you for, for pausing and really speaking to that Jude because I think that's an, an another important shift in our consciousness with that incomplete science when we think of it as a big bang of incoherence and then we try to make sense of it it doesn't fit with what 
both of you are talking about with the greater and greater complexity, but the coherence that's in that. And, and Greg, I'd love for you to expand on this idea of, of sure. love and the heart. I've got a big smile on my face right now, just listening to, to Jude, and she is so eloquent. You know, I, when I'm not an author and a scientist, I'm a musician. And Jude, you always mm. speak very poetically to the musician uh, within me. <laughs> and, and, I, and I have to say, you know, when I, I remember when I was a kid, the first time I learned about the origin of our universe and, and what was called the Big Bang, my first thought was that must have been a man that coined that term. And I did a little research, and I found it, it was. It's a very male perspective to see, to see the universe forming under such uh, violent circumstances. And this, uh, you know, the, the way the energy is portrayed is being released. And it was in stark contrast, as I've, I've spent uh, the bulk of my adult life over, I've lost track of how many years now, um, studying with ancient and indigenous traditions. And I've taken groups into the highlands of central China and the monasteries of Tibet and India and Nepal and all through the, the Andes, the southern Andes of, of Peru and into the Yucatan of, of Mexico with the shamans and the curandaros and the healers. And they all have a story about the way the universe began. And none of them began the way that we have been conditioned to accept this. Uh, in the Hindu traditions, for example, it, it is the breath of Brahma. We are the universe is expanding because Brahma began to exhale, and we are still in the exhale of Brahma. And when Brahma ends that breath, then the universe begins to to contract. And science tells us there's a point where the universe will stop expanding, and it will begin to re reverse and and uh, coalesce once again. So these are very very different ways of of thinking. But when we talk about love. The Institute of Heart Math, and uh, Jude, thank you for, for bringing this into the conversation. Uh, they are a pioneering research institute in Northern California, pioneering the study of the human heart in non-conventional ways, all based upon rock-solid science. And it is the Institute of Heart Math that brought to the public view the, the, the discovery in 1991. The discovery was made in 91. It was published in 1994 in the journal Neurocardiology of the, the presence of neurons in the human heart that function independently of the neurons in the brain. So we have a neural network in our heart that thinks, feels, remembers, it senses independently of the human brain. And it is our ability, we have the ability to access these neurons consciously on demand and the ability to self-regulate. We are the only form of life that we know that exists today. I'm sure there are others in other places, but we're the only form that is confirmed with the ability to self-regulate our biology. And what that means is we're the only form of life that can uh, uh, strengthen our immune response on demand. You know, who doesn't want that in, in the world of a global pandemic, a stronger immune response? We're the only form of life that can awaken longevity enzymes and the healing that comes with the longevity. We're the only form of life that can access deep states of intuition at will, on demand, create resilience to the changes in the world around us at will, on demand. And all of these and much more, all of these abilities, these extraordinary potentials are made possible to us because of the, the neurons in the human heart and the way they relate to the brain and the rest of the body. When we begin to really get this, Dr. Jill, this is the core 
of these ancient traditions. They weren't scientists. They didn't necessarily understand the mechanism, but they understood the relationship that we have with our own bodies and with the world around us. And for over 5,000 years, we have 5,000 years of recorded human history of how to apply these relationships between the heart and the brain and the cells of the body and, and nature and the world around us in ways that help us, uh, healthy ways that, that help us to be the best versions of ourselves in the world. So, so now that we're faced with the, the changing world that we're seeing, the unprecedented changes, we are the first generation that has the gift of these extraordinary ways of knowing, the, the wisdom of 5,000 years of human experience, the best science of the modern world, and the technology that the science has made possible. We now have the ability to bring all of this together and to create a story uh, that allows us to transcend, not just survive, but to transcend, to thrive in the new world that's emerging. And I believe this gives us an evolutionary edge that we've never had as a civilization in the past, at least not, not that we're aware of right now. So it boils down to us being willing to embrace the wisdom of our past, to embrace the science and to embrace the technology and know how to apply it. And, and to accept the, the cherished human values that tell us how we can apply these things in, in our lives without judging the past. The, the scientific community that I was raised in discounted indigenous wisdom, discounted spiritual traditions, when that's a deep, deep part of our history. So now science understands the mechanisms. They say, yeah, this is how things work, but we don't know what to do with it. Our ancestors says... Here's what you do with it, but we may not be able to explain exactly why it works. And you put that together, and we are the, the beneficiaries on the shoulders of all those who have come before us. And, and love is at the core of all of this, because the love is what activates these neurons in the heart and allows us to access the heart intelligence and the wisdom that, that Jude was just talking about. So it's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a perfect answer. It's in a perfect set up for this impromptu move I'm going to make because I'm as I'm hearing you I just re remembered that I have a shirt on that says love heals every body <laughs> and I love this shirt it's my favorite shirt I'll give a shout out to Thistle Farms it's a great program if you've never heard of them go google that Thistle Farms but if love heals every body you're talking about this science Greg and Jude you've brought this in too so my impromptu twist here is we're starting to understand that love heals every body and we're starting to understand these frequencies like you're talking about of, of boosting our immune system of using that that understanding that it's not just mind body anymore it's not mind body spirit that we're talking about like jude at the beginning when we were saying we are that consciousness so my question to you both is how what intuitively just like you said greg it's like okay now it's coming together so we have this opportunity intuitively how do we use this love to heal in the collective realm 
on a much larger scale now. We're learning how to do that with our bodies. We're learning how to heal our bodies, boost our immune system. We understand it's regulating, it's working together, and it's a mirror for who we are as one planetary body. So I would love to hear you muse into that. How does love heal our one planetary body at this moment of choice? Let's start with you, Jude. Great question, Julie. Thank you. <laughs> um, I loved as well that you, you both, I think, refer to intuition because HeartMath have done some great work. Rollins done some great work on intuition and the power of intuition because I think what intuition is, is, is it's a guidance for us to um, – we don't intuit with our head. We intuit with our heart and with our bodies. And so intuition is an amazing way in listening to our intuition and honoring our intuition for me is a, is a wonderful way and invitation to enter into that whole body distributed intelligence, that whole body consciousness that integrates head and heart and purpose. Um, because for me, the, the wisdom of the heart is our way shower, but like Greg saying not to judge the past because we've been on this incredible journey and adventure together and, and we all stand on the shoulders of giants. But it's literally this integrative process that, that I find incredibly empowering. And the ancient traditions talk about the sacred marriage of the divine feminine and masculine. And from that, the birth of the divine child. So that heart and head and purpose and body seems to me to be our opportunity and and very often and and for me too it's the entry point is our hearts because our hearts connect us our minds are really great but they have this amazing analytical ability to separate <laughs> and differentiate and that's all good too but our hearts literally re if our if our heads remind us our minds remind us, then our hearts re-heart us. And they are our invitation into, into wholeness and, and, and into the experience of, of love. Um, and in terms of our collective, at Whole World View, we, we sort of have this unifying framework of a, a, an innately informed, intelligent universe and reality which is holographically manifest so what that means is that that intelligence that consciousness is embodied at every scale of our universe's reality which goes from the most minute to us to planets to galaxies to the whole universe so in terms of that loving relationship it's an ex it's it's an expansion of the love of me to encompass the love of we to encompass the love of all so we talk about thinking cosmic because without this unifying framework it's very difficult to find our groundings to find our anchor in the deep truth and the deep reality of unity so thinking cosmic then breathes into the feeling global remembering, rehearting that we are all part of not just a human family, but a family of Gaia. And then bringing that back to the acting local. And love is the answer to all of it. <laughs> mm. 
Ooh, Greg, there's that poetic piece again. So <laughs> what can you add to this poetic story of love and how love, how can love heal our collective one planetary body? Well, Jude, you just made it very easy for me to pick up where you left off. So, so thank you for laying that beautiful foundation. And, and again, this is where the, the science is telling us what works and what doesn't. And the things that don't work, we can stop putting our energy into. And the things that do work, we can do them more and do them better. When it comes to the neurons in the heart, uh, what the Institute of Heart Math has revealed in the laboratory reflects the traditions and the practices of so many indigenous people throughout the world and throughout history. And that is that there are techniques of breath and focus and feeling, certain kinds of feelings that all come together to create this, uh, this extraordinary harmony within the human body. We're literally harmonizing the neurons in the heart and the brain. Uh, and when we do that, we bring our body into an extraordinary harmony that ignites the healing, the regeneration, the rejuvenation, the longevity, the immune response. All of those things are, are proven scientifically. It all happens in the body through a process that's called coherence, heart-brain coherence. Well, what the studies now are showing is that personal coherence is good. Global coherence is really good because of the field that we began talking about at the beginning of this conversation. What the science is showing is that the coherence that we create within us is not limited by the boundaries of our flesh and the air around us, that our, our body's coherence literally feeds a field that connects all things. And the studies have shown, Dr. Julie, really very clearly that this coherence, this field only knows chaos or coherence. It doesn't understand the nuances of intention. So we are every moment of our lives, every day into that field, we are either feeding the field coherence and that coherence supports cooperation, uh, mutual aid and us working together, or we are feeding that field chaos and the chaos may be counter to everything that we say verbally that we'd like to have happen. So in a very real sense, this brings it home uh, what, what Jude has just said so eloquently, that what happens within us uh, is also what is happening around us. We are the field. We are wrinkles in this field. We're distortions of consciousness in this field. And every moment of every day, we're feeding the field. And to bring it back to the love. It is the love that we feel that we create through our heart, through the neural network in our heart that harmonizes our heart with our brain. Very positive feelings like a gratitude, for example, and appreciation and in care for one another. These are examples of the kinds of human emotions that set into motion a, a low frequency point one hertz, 0 0.1 hertz, a very low frequency between the heart and the brain, that frequency happens to be a fundamental frequency uh, of the magnetic field of the planet we live on. So in a very real sense, when we feel those feelings of gratitude and appreciation, we are loving ourselves, and that love is being translated into the world around us in a language that the world recognizes. It's a language of vibration, a language of frequency. And we don't have to know that. But it helps to support 
the traditions that we have always felt work in our favor. And because we understand the science, we know what to do more of now um, and, and how to create this, this coherence in the world around us. Every day, now we have to ask our question, or, or at the end of the day, we ask the question, what, what have I fed the field today? What have, what have I given the field to work with? It's either chaos or it's coherence. And then that helps us to direct our actions and the choices that we make in the next day. Wow. Powerful prescription both of you have laid out for us. I'm really enjoying this conversation and and I don't want it to stop. But it does need to. And I just want to remind our listeners, we're talking to Greg Braden and Jude Curvan on the book, Our Moment of Choice. Check that out at ourmomentofchoice.com. So for a last question, I don't want to stop this conversation, but I'm, I need to. So let's, let's give our listeners something really juicy to take away here. So I'd like to close here, if you would, with a minute or so each that if this is a critical evolutionary moment in time, right here, right now, what call of action do you share with our listeners today? And Jude, let's begin with you in 60 seconds or so. The call to action for me is to be open to the adventure of seeing the world anew, to be open to the adventure, as Greg and I are both saying, of, of restoring our story into a whole worldview, into a perception where love is all, where we are consciousness, we are the field, and we're microcosmic co-creators of our universe's incredible and innate impulse to evolve. We're at this moment of choice to choose. Do we evolve? Do we choose to evolve? Because that's our opportunity. We now have the science that integrates with universal spirituality and wisdom teachings to show us both the why and the how we can accomplish that. And we can come together to lift up, to link up with each other, to step forward together into an incredible future. We're on the bow wave of a universe that invites us to join it, to evolve. And I'm so delighted to be companions and fellow travelers with all of us on this incredible journey because it seems to me it's a journey of homecoming to co-creating heaven on mother earth together beautiful beautiful call to action greg at this critical evolutionary moment in time what is your call to action to share with the listeners in one minute right in one minute (laughs) tough you know i just want to invite all of our listeners and acknowledge uh, all, to all of our listeners. It takes work to change the way we think, to change the way we live, to, to think and live differently than what we have been taught in the past. And, and it's true for me as well. I'm an optimist and I'm also a realist. And realistically, we've got a lot of work to do. When I think about that work, there is a, a guiding principle that has been with me since my family broke up when I was 10 years old. I was given a book by a man named Khalil Gibran. The book is titled The Prophet. And in the book, The Prophet, there is uh, a, a paragraph about the value of work in our lives. And what Khalil Gibran said is that work is our love made visible. Work mm-hmm. is love made visible. That has been a cornerstone of my life. Every day I have it on my wall. It's on every email that I send. 
uh, and it's in my heart every day. The question is, do we love ourselves enough to put the work into being the best versions of ourselves and creating the best world possible? That is the question, and the world that we are creating right now is the answer to that question. And I think if if we can keep that in mind, Dr. Julie, it, it really helps to guide all the science and the spiritual principles into something very, very real in our lives. Great. Thank you, Greg. That was beautiful. Thank you both for joining me today. I appreciate both of you and your work so much. And now I want to leave you listeners with the words of Jude Curavan from our moment of choice. Each of us can choose our narrative and consciously choose to live a story founded in unity consciousness, to connect with changemakers locally and across the world with positive intention to energize and embody our own vision and purpose. We can step forward to co-create with others, Gaia, and the universe, living and sharing our evolutionary purpose, discovering our unique co-creative toolkit that enables and empowers each of us to make a positive difference in the world. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. 